Today on Season 3, Episode 70 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, another team enters Lambeau and leaves with a loss. Bryce and Ken break down the latest matchup against the hapless Eagles. The offense put on a show, more history was made, and the defense did what it needed to do to get the job done. Who gets the game balls? It may not be who you'd expect. This week we have our first listener audio question and we play fill in the blank. What comes next? A trip to Detroit to face the pesky Lions. We are in the fourth quarter, Packers fans, and now it's time for 9-3 and three on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for 9 and 3 on tap. In a milestone of a day, Rodgers goes 25 of 34 for 295, three touchdowns, no interceptions as the Packers victorious over the Philadelphia Eagles 30-16 to advance to 9 and 3. One game behind the New Orleans Saints in the race for the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. We're talking playoffs, December football, and Matt LaFleur and company start off on a high note. And I'm co-hosting today with Ken. And I was a little concerned because he was a little premature with saying this was going to be 9-3 and three on tap in our last week's episode. I thought that there might be a little bit of a jinx, but Ken, as usual, was on point. And wanted to mention, this is the seventh time this season that the Packers have scored 30 or more in a game. They are 6-1 and one when they score 30 or more. And thrilled to talk Green Bay Packers with you, Ken. How are you doing? Doing well, Bryce. Doing well. 9-3, and three, another guaranteed winning season. Ooh, I like that. You know, the floor off to a hot, hot start. Can't complain, man. And as you said, uh, milestones, it seems like Another week, another milestone for our uh, MVP in the waiting quarterback, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Throws 400 touchdown passes for his career in his 193rd regular season game. That's 12 fewer games than Drew Brees, who was previously the fastest to 400. Man, he's only done that by throwing 88 interceptions, one of seven members of the 400 club with less than 100 picks for that milestone with those three touchdowns, Ken, he has reached 36 touchdowns for the year, giving him his fifth season with at least 35 touchdowns, the most most such seasons in NFL history. He's tied with Brady, Breeze, and Manning at four apiece. I also wanted to add, Ken, when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, according to Pro Football Focus, say what you will, I know some people tend to not really covet or, I guess, process or respect sometimes the scoring analytics but analytics sites gave Aaron Rodgers a 96.9 grade including his career best 97.1 passing grade it represented the second best passing grade by a quarterback since pro football focus began grading players in 2006 he now has four games with an overall grade of 90 this season he is the top graded quarterback at pro football focus through 
13 weeks. Ken, you would think that he would get the game ball, but we're giving someone else the game ball. But before that, anything that you want to add to the historic day by Aaron Rodgers? You know, it, it, we're spoiled, man. Packer fans are spoiled. It's, you know, another game, another milestone. You know, you can basically pencil in two TDs at least. He's averaging three a game. Um, it's just these numbers are off the charts. And But it was good. It was good to see, you know, Devontae get that ball, uh, catch that number 400 yeah. touchdown pass. I know there are some funny stories in the past how Rodgers has never received um, one of those milestone balls in the past. <laughs> uh, who was it? I forgot. I think uh, James Jones tossed his, like, 100th into the stands. Yeah, uh, Rodgers gave number 200 to Devontae because that was his first touchdown pass or catch, I should say, was when Devontae caught his first, I believe, was Rodgers' 200th. And so Rodgers gave that to Devontae. I forget what happened in 300, but again, he he never got that ball. So this is the first milestone ball. And that's why Devontae, you know, had that big celebration getting down on the knee and like giving Rodgers that ball like Excalibur almost. It was amazing to see that celebration but there's a lot behind that because like he finally gets that ball put on his man i love that and on a 99 yard drive nonetheless last time it's happened for the packers was 2009 2009 yeah wow i mean being backed up on your one yard line in the third quarter packers are leading 14-3 before that Devonte adams hauls in a crucial fourth and goal touchdown packers were down three nothing and that is when you saw the pendulum swing in my opinion was that fourth and goal call by Lafleur? The strong arms and hands of Devonte Adams. I mean, Darius Slay is no slouch at cornerback, and Devonte Adams just continued to just abuse him left and right. Not only just with finesse, but just pure athleticism and also just power. Uh, that was great coverage by Slay. But then Adams with that beautiful touchdown grab also. That 42-yard grab by Devontae Adams, which was on the first snap when they were backed up on their one-yard line, play-action pass. I thought that they might run that, but there you go with the play-action and Devontae Adams with that concentration. I know Lafleur said it was one of the greatest catches that he ever saw. For me, in recent memory, uh, just seeing the coverage on that, uh, the pinpoint accuracy on Rodgers, but the concentration and just the last, at the last second, getting those hands up there for that impressive haul. But needless to say, I feel a little bad not giving it to Aaron Rodgers, but we are giving our first game ball to Devontae Adams, who hauled in 10 receptions, 120-plus yards, and that touchdown. Devontae Adams, need we say more? We've talked about him week in, week out. He just continues to impress uh, this season so far. What do you have to say about Devontae Adams, Ken? Yeah, like this guy's a human highlight reel, but some fun stats I was able to kind of pull uh, for just talking about the season that he's having. So this one came from NFL Research saying that Devontae Adams has joined Hall of Famers, by the way, Randy Moss, Carol Owens, Marvin Harrison, and Jerry Rice as the only players in the Super Bowl era with 1,000-plus receiving yards and 12-plus touchdowns in their first 10 games of the season. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, golden jackets in that conversation with uh, Devante, maybe a harb- you know harbinger of what's to come for him. And then Field Yates takes a look over the last 16 games. I know Devante's had some injuries. He's been in and out of games. So if you look at his last 16 games that he started and finished, 132 catches, 
1,680 yards and 17 touchdowns. This guy is just killing it week in and week out. And the Packers are 4-0 right now when Devontae catches 10 or more receptions this season. Uh, like you mentioned, caught his 200th as a rookie and now the 400th catch by Aaron Rodgers. When you're looking at Devontae Adams, he had 14 receptions in Week 1, 13 receptions in Week 7 versus Houston, 10 receptions in Week 9 versus the Niners, and now 10 in Week 13 over the Eagles right now. With four games left, he's on pace for 117 catches, 1,440 yards, and 18 touchdowns. He also missed two games against the Saints and the Falcons due to a hamstring injury. And then also hurt his ankle in that Jacksonville Jaguars injury. Mm-hmm. So this guy's been nicked up, and he continues to just shine. Crazy to think he's only 27 years old. For those that are keeping score, the Packers' single-season records are 112 catches, 1,519 yards, and 18 touchdowns. He's on pace for the touchdowns and catches, and not that far off from the yard. So we are seeing not only a historic run for Aaron Rodgers, but also Devontae Adams. Uh, quite arguably, you're seeing the best trio in the NFL with Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers behind just a solid offensive line. This offense is elite. They're fun to watch. Anything that you wanted to add about Devontae Adams and his performance this past Sunday? Uh, what else can we say now? What is it? Seven straight games for a touchdown reception? I, I believe that uh, ties uh, Don Hudson for a Packers streak. And uh, again, I think uh, he's been pretty good as well. You, you know you know how I get when you start spouting off Packers histo- history. History, yeah. So that one, yeah, Don Hudson, that's also pretty good company uh, to be keeping with. So Devontae is... Definitely getting the recognition he very well deserves. Well, as the Packers win 30-16, they definitely made it a little in- or it got a little interesting in the fourth quarter. But I wanted to mention that we talked about the offense with our game ball, and as we've been doing week in week out, we have our defensive game ball. And this is something that you suggested, Ken, when we were going back and forth, what we thought what our game balls would be. And highlighting the 2019 draft class, but specifically Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, and Kingsley Kiki. You got to see this trio of second year, what I think are budding stars, just come to play. And I know that, say what you will, Carson Wentz is the most sacked quarterback this season. He's also thrown the most interceptions this season. But we don't pick the schedule, and the Packers capitalized on this opportunity. Uh, Darnell Savage with that incredible interception. And these are three interceptions in the last seven days, so the last two weeks. And these aren't just give-me interceptions. He is tracking them. He is using his athleticism. He is making plays. Uh, It is impressive to see what he's been doing these last five weeks. Pack Daddy tweeted out, who we had uh, earlier on as a guest episode, he said, Savage in the last five weeks has been targeted nine times, allowed two receptions, zero touchdowns, three pass breakups, and three interceptions. He's also got his hands on six of nine passes in his direction, coming down with three of them right now with interceptions. But Savage has just been doing incredible. I've got some other stats about Rashawn Gary and Kingsley Kiki. It's the first time that we've given a trio a game ball, but it sure was nice to see Brian Gutekunst's second draft clash come to play in this victory. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why you know I was thinking about you know who gets the game ball because a bunch of guys stepped up and looking at it, it was this trio of sophomore year draft class guys from last year, and that draft class is starting to look amazing. And yeah, Gary showing up, he's kind of, he's figuring it out. He's getting more play time. He had another start again mm-hmm. over Preston Smith, and he's figuring out that the strengths of his game and how it's going to transition to the NFL level. And it's starting to pay off with one and a half sacks, uh, some more hits, tackles for loss. And man, yep. Kingsley Kiki, talk about a guy stepping up when they need it the most. It feels like Kenny Clark's been on this island <laughs> on the defensive line. And he's like, can right. I please get some help? Because he's just dealing with these double and triple teams all game in and game out. And seeing someone being able to step up and Spoiler alert, I believe there's only two defensive linemen under contract for next season, and that would be your boy Kenny Clark and then uh, Kingsley Kiki. So they're going to need some help, but it's good to see uh, this draft class going with that whole draft and develop model that the Packers stick by and deploy, seeing their second-year stars on the defensive side of the ball starting to step up game in and game out as, uh, as we progress through this 2020 season. Pretty crazy. This is the second time that Kiki's had two sacks in a game. He had a, uh, his first coming against the New Orleans Saints on for Sunday Night Football, and then he added two more. He also had two tackles for for loss, which he's had three on the season so far. Um, this is a guy that had eleven tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks his senior year at college, out of Texas A and M. He was a fifth round draft pick in twenty nineteen. Rashawn Gary, twelfth overall selection last year. Darnell Savage, the second first-round draft pick selected, 21 last year when the Packers traded up. And interestingly enough that Darnell Savage, he had four interceptions and one of them for a pick six his senior year. His junior year, he also had three interceptions, also returned one of those for a pick six. So this is a guy that has that ball hawk tendency. Just wait till it all comes together with his athleticism, his oomph. I'd love to see him more at the line of scrimmage as well get after the quarterback, make him a little bit more of a triple threat. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that with Savage right now. But like we said last week, who's going to lead the league or lead the <laughs> lead the Green Bay Packers in interceptions? Darnell Savage comes up with another one after having two last week. Gary, week in and week out, has now had two and a half sacks in the last three games. And like you said, Kingsley Kiki, I mean, that shimmy shake, that was against Jason Peters, too, a veteran guard. This is not someone that was just a practice squad guy or struggling offensive lineman. This was a veteran that Kingsley Kiki really, I thought, just manhandled. And if he can compliment Kenny Clark, especially with Billy Wynn going down, who we were getting kind of excited about to see if he could make some plays because it seemed like whenever he was on the field, he was making plays. Now you're seeing Kiki step up at the perfect time, December football. But pretty proud to give this trio our first game ball, especially when a lot of people were starting to wonder if Brian Gutekunst had it when it came to his draft selections, considering his draft selections in 2020 that did not adhere to the Packers' expectations, Packers' fan base expectations, if you will. But uh, I could not be more thrilled to see what the offense did and what the defense did. Any last thoughts before we wrap up the first half of 9-3 and three on tap? You know, it, it, you mentioned Kiki and, you know, uh, Billy Wynn. 
Sounds like Wynn is going to be dealing with a potential long-term injury, along with uh, mm-hmm. your boy, the Swerve, and Raven Green. Right. Yeah, who got the game ball a few weeks ago. And it's going to take guys to step up and you know see what they can do. But I, yeah, that that kind of that news kind of came later this afternoon as we're recording that this during this last four games, this last uh, you know quarter of the regular season. You know, there's going to be some need for some depth players to really step up. And hopefully, you know, that that draft class that we talked about, you know, some of those names can fill those voids. That'll be a big question. See who steps up in place of Raven Green, who steps up in place of Swerve, maybe newly acquired Tavon Austin. And who steps up? I know that Billy Wynn is not a popular name where we think could be a a critical piece, but he is, especially on that D-lines, made some plays, and uh, I'm hoping that Kiki can fill that void where we don't have to start tapping into that depth come December, come January, and of course February. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back, and we've got fan questions, fill-in-the-blank questions, and then we're going to wrap up as the Packers face the Lions this next Sunday. Enjoy this commercial break. We'll be right back. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go Pack Go! And we are back with the second half of 9 and 3 on tap. And typically we do salary cap questions. We're going to do a little bit of a twist because we feel like we're in the midst of a historic special season and salary cap questions usually typically mean who's getting cut next year, who's not coming back, or what are we going to have to do to restructure, which is great. But we also want to know the pulse of the Packers fan base right now. What are questions that you have? And we've got a little bit of a twist with these fan questions. You can either leave a tweet, leave a Facebook comment, leave an Instagram comment, or you can also leave an audio question on Twitter, such like this, from at Pastor Cheesehead, our favorite, Duke Backus. Which year two defenseman has been more impressive for the Packers? Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, or Kingsley Kiki? Go Pack Go! And I think he has a great point when you're looking at year two defensive player, who's been more impressive for the Green Bay Packers? We sort of highlighted that in the first half with our defensive game balls, but Ken, out of all those that Duke mentioned, who has been the most impressive for you? And first off, that's an excellent question by Duke. And to be fair, I had texted you my game ball idea before he submitted that online. So Duke and I are definitely on the same wavelength here (laughs) when we're talking about, you know, these year two defensemen. But who's been the most impressive so far? It's, It's tough. You can look at it different ways. Like, so Gary and Savage were first round picks. So, you know, they're supposed to be good or you have that expectation that they should be developing in year two versus Kiki being in the fifth round. But I, my vote's going to go with Gary. You know, who would have thought last after the season that the Smith brothers had last year that Gary would be competing and with snaps to basically replace one of them as a starter? Um, or at least on a 50-50 basis in terms of snaps. I don't know exactly where it came out this last game against against the Eagles, but the week prior, I know it was about 50-50 snaps. I don't know where it shook out specifically, but 
he's showing up and he's showing out. Um, you know, Savage, he was a starter last year and, you know, he had his ups and downs, but he, he was kind of one of those plug and play guys where Gary, you know, after last year, people were like, I don't know about this guy, you know, number 12 overall <laughs> hasn't really been doing much, but he's starting to make a name for himself. And anyone who is still throwing the word bust around is, is gravely mistaken. I like it. And I like the breakdown too. It gives me a little bit more perspective of uh, who's been more impressive. I-, I can't argue with your assessment. This isn't the question that Duke asked, but like I, I guess surprised. I you would have to go with Kingsley Kiki, even though like he flashed last year. He's always had those those shimmy shakes, that athleticism for a big guy. I think he he'll be key moving forward if he can continue to do that and and spell. Kenny Clark and sort of make that offensive line a little bit more honest. But uh, I would say most impressive, I'm going to go with Darnell Savage because a lot of people were already starting to write him off halfway through the season. He started off slow, and what we've been seeing the last four or five weeks is a really, really special talent. I I think Gary can be special. I think there's no question that Savage can be. Um, what we're seeing right now, that athleticism, him making plays, he's tilting the field, that continues to compound. You just get more and more confident. And when you pair him up with Jair Alexander as well as Adrian Amos, who's solid, and Kevin King, you've got a really deadly secondary. But you need a guy in that backfield, and I think you've got that with Darnell Savage. So I'll say more impressive because I didn't expect him to be uh, this type of ball hawk that he is. I mean, he did have that resume in college, but uh, what we're seeing back-to-back weeks, it seems like he's got a knack for making those big plays. Yeah, I can't argue with that either. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you were going to go with uh, Mr. Savage when I heard that question come off. I thought you were too. I thought you were too, but I I like the assessment with with Rashawn Gary. It, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah, to be honest. I kind of dissect and went full circle because I was like, okay, I, I could I could make a name for any one of those guys, right? Depending on how you want to look at it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that this guy is coming in and potentially stealing, you know, one of the the coveted Smith brothers' jobs yeah. is not an easy task. And so that for me gets the nod. I love it, and that's what we're here for. We're not here just to agree with one another. I like the different perspectives, a little spice of life. And as we continue with our second fan question at Swerve Season, SZN, what is the biggest difference from this year's team to last, and what has made that happen? Okay, uh, if I'm starting off, um, well, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers, like – do I even say it anymore? <laughs> no, but like two things. It's Aaron Rodgers and his play, his being comfortable in this offense and just feeling it and rolling. You know, we talked about it in past episodes, what's causing it, being year two in the system, Jordan Love potentially lighting a fire under his butt to get him going a little bit more. Right. And But I would say the second and equally important is the young players developing on this team kind of talked about it in spades already on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the Packers didn't make a lot of splash moves. Two years ago, they had the big four free agents and you're like, oh, wow, this Gudekens new GM, different way of doing things. But then this past season, we didn't have a lot of blue chippers coming in and you get guys like Tunyon and Lazard and MVS and Sternberger. And I would even say the the most important, Jamal Williams, 
stepping up. Right. The guy, dude, completely transformed his body and came in ready to work this year behind Aaron Jones. But there wasn't a lot of outside help this year. People are criticizing the draft that they didn't draft for immediate need. They're drafting for the future. And so this season was coming down to whether or not Aaron Rodgers could step up in year two of an offense and the other guys around him also stepping up. And I think that's what we're seeing and why this season seems to be a lot more special than last season, even though they're on the same trajectory potentially for record. What they're nine and three now, they ended mm-hmm. 13 and three. They can be in the same spot. Yep. Uh, beautifully said. You are on fire, my friend, this episode. I just coming out hot. There's not much more I can add to that. I think you hit it on the head on a variety of different facets when you're looking at the success of this Green Bay Packers team. For me, uh, there's buy-in. They want to play for Coach LaFleur. They want to play for one another. I mean, you've got David Bakhtiari. You've got MVS, even Aaron Rodgers hauling downfield on that 77-yard run from Aaron Jones. Like you mentioned, Devontae Adams, where he's holding out the football to Aaron Rodgers and all these teammates come over and congratulate them. They're having fun. They want to play with one another. That's not to say that they didn't have that last year, but you've got this second year. They talked all offseason about this virtual offseason connection where they were transparent. They got on the same page. I just think that they've bought in. They like one another. They want to play for one another. I think it's just a more solidified relationship from top to bottom. This is Brian Kudekunst's third year. This is Matt LaFleur's second year. He's a little bit more confident. Rodgers, like you said, understands the playbook a little bit more. They're in a groove. And I think what's deadly about this team is that they're going to fight. They are not going to back down. They're going to fight for their brothers on the field. Uh, that's not something that I've seen in some time. It's it's extremely visible that they all like playing for one another, and that is deadly when you're looking at the playoffs and looking at teams that can take home the Vince Lombardi Trophy. So I think that is the biggest difference, if I'm going to add to your response as well. Right. I'll, I'll jump in there too. Like you talk about this team and fighting for each other and buying in and playing for each other. You talk about that gigantic run yeah. <laughs> that Aaron Jones had. That doesn't happen without an MVS, like blocking like three different guys on right. that play. And Bakhtiari, you know, running down the field, keeping pace, getting in the way. And, you know, it's it's unreal. Like MVS, again, he's one of those guys where the past two games, ever since we started talking about him a little bit more and talking about how he's going to step up <laughs> this this back half of the season, he's kind of like goose eggs on the stat sheet and the box score, but impacting the game in other ways. I you go back and watch that and just watch that there's no way that goes nearly as long if MBS isn't hustling and just knocking guys left and right out of the out of the play. It's exciting stuff to see. Uh, this is a fun team to watch and I've been on board this whole season as of you and I'm excited to see what this team can do moving forward and with this last and final fan question from Austin Ferzoko. He says, of the remaining opponents in the regular season, which team scares you the most? I can go ahead with this one first, Ken. And the reason being is that, Ken, you had asked me this fill-in-the-blank question, what would the Packers' record Mm -hmm. finish? And at that time, they had just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. There were a lot of questions. Actually, they had just beat the Indianapolis – or lost to the Indianapolis Colts. So back-to-back sort of bad performances – 
And I felt like this team could get hot. They could rally. And part of it is that this offense is so elite. And this performance against the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they're a team in disarray. They, I mean, they swapped quarterbacks like two-thirds into the game. And you're looking at a quarterback that was getting mauled beforehand. This this team feasted on a very uh, derailed Philadelphia Eagles team. But that's what you need to do. I just was more than thrilled to see the camaraderie. You see that week in and week out. For me, there's not a team that really scares me the re- for the regular season. Um, even in the playoffs, there might be a team or two in the AFC but I truly believe that if the defense continues to do what they're doing, takeaways, bending in the right direction, this offense continues to be what it is, I don't see anyone getting in their way. But in terms of the regular season, yeah, maybe the Titans, they're a challenge. But I'm, I'm truly not concerned at home, end of December. Outside of that, you've got, what, Detroit, Carolina, and the Bears. So for me in the regular season, if I would have to answer that question, the Titans. But overall, there are not – maybe Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the only team that really scare me in the NFL. Looking forward. We're talking about regular season, and uh, Bryce is talking Super Bowl <laughs> against the Chiefs. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I I look at this, and i kind of surprised how I, I'm coming up with this answer because I think – you know, you asked me a few weeks ago, I probably would have said the Titans. Mm-hmm. But if I'm if I'm looking at who they have left, so they've got the Lions, Panthers, Titans, and they finish up at the Bears. I think the Panthers are going to be the easiest, followed up by the Bears. It's a division game. You know, they could be playing spoiler. Green Bay could be feeling themselves, especially if things are sorted out where they're going to be kind of locked with their playoff position. And the Bears could come in and give them their best because that, that will basically be their version of the Super Bowl. But so it becomes between the Titans and the Lions. And I actually have a little bit more anxiety against next week, the Lions, than I do with the Titans. And the only reason I say that is because Matthew Stafford is still a really good quarterback. He threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns against the Bears defense this last week in a win. TJ Hawkinson is a guy who can just tear this defense apart um, if he gets going. And Green Bay has a tendency to struggle in Detroit. Of the ones remaining, though, it just gives me the biggest pause. The Titans, they're coming up on late December, 7.20 p.m. kickoff game. Cold. Henry, yeah, it's going to be a cold game. Um, you know, Henry has that potential to explode, and Tannehill's a type of guy who can take care of the football. I think he only has five picks compared to Rodgers' four, so he also doesn't typically want to give it away. That game could end up being like the Vikings game where the Packers lost, and it was came down to these long, drawn-out possessions and just whoever makes the most of those opportunities. But again, what can get you, what can kill you quicker is a opposing quarterback being able to put up big points and the Packers being able to kind of counterpunch and I feel like that if the Lions get going next week that I think for me is their biggest opportunity to take a misstep interesting interesting all right well I actually I enjoy your perspective and I'm I'm getting eager we'll wrap up with our with our thoughts about the Lions but 
first and foremost, want to thank everyone that that submitted questions. We're going to do this week in and week out for the regular season. And then in the off season, we're going to get back to some salary cap questions. That doesn't mean that we won't answer a salary cap question here and there. But uh, now we pivot to fill in the blank. And I'm going to start this off, Ken. I know that you've always, we've, we've reversed roles, Uh-oh. but I've got one that I've been eager to ask you since uh, I wanted to add in a couple fill in the blank questions for you because the last couple of weeks <laughs> uh, you've been asking me some. I'm nervous, but let's go. So the first one that I have for you is Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst's best draft selection will be blank. So to clarify, you're saying like when it's all said and done or yeah. or the ones that he's already I mean, made? We can't we I can't imagine. predict what he's gonna do in the future, but what what cool. what he's drafted so far out of these on his resume, who will be the best okay. when it's all said and done out of his three all classes? Right. The safe answer is Elton Jenkins. Dude is can play and start at a high level at all five positions on the line. You know, we've talked about him week in and week out. Some, if I think about this a little bit more on the hot seat, Gary could be one of those guys where he was drafted with the highest of ceilings and knowing that he would be a project and needed some time to learn and figure himself out. And we've talked about him already. He could be one of those guys that he could be dominant in this league at once he figures it out and understands, um, you know, what tools are best in his arsenal to deploy at the right times. And, but if I'm going to go all out, I'm going to say Jordan Love. Man. <laughs> I, I was I do. not I'd expecting like, that. Wow. So, you know, let's, you know, I'll give you a three step here. So safe. Medium and spicy. Uh, that was and spicy. So I don't think, I don't think it gets spicier than that. No. But <laughs> he was drafted. He was drafted for a reason. They traded up in the first round for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think you know Aaron Rodgers has said it. Gutekunst has said that this. He's already said in an interview this year that really doesn't matter what happens this year. His plan at the quarterback position really doesn't right. change. I think if if things. If you get the if you find a successor for back-to-back MVP quarterbacks and you find someone who can play at a high level, I'm not going to dub him a future MVP or sorry, a Hall of Famer MVP type player. But if he, if they have a competent quarterback situation for the next 15 years, nothing else matters. All right. Like this league is so quarterback driven. But let's see if he gets the opportunity as a Packer first. But if I'm going to go for a spicy answer, you got to go Jordan Love. All right. I dig it. I dig it. And um, as we get closer to wrapping up 9-3 and three on tap, we've got a couple more fill-in-the-blank questions. But that was my one for Ken, and you hit it out of the ballpark. That was beautiful. And now I'm eager to th- eager to hear what uh, your questions you have for me. Okay. We'll see where we are on time, but I'll start with this one here. Next week... Tavon Austin will blank for the Packers. He will play. He will play. Yeah. How will he play? <laughs> Elaborate. Um, I think it's going to take a while before we see something. I really predict, you know, when I did my solo show for the John Marks episode for Philadelphia Eagles, our little pregame episode, I talked a breakdown of the Tavon Austin acquisition. 
I'm excited to see what he can do. Granted, he is 29 years old, but he has skills. And I think that all you need to do is ignite them. If he gets motivated, he has been, from what I've garnered, an infectious personality. I think he's going to fit in well with this team. I see him surprising and contributing later in the season. But this will be his first game that he suits up. So um, I think he'll play. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So I'll just add a little bit here. I think, I definitely think he's going to play if for no no other reason that doesn't sound like Irvin's uh, injury is looking Mm -hmm. too good. And we cut ties with Darius Shepard. He's not back on the practice squad. They, they need, (laughs) they need some sort of, some sort of jolt to the special teams unit overall. Right. And I think it'll take time. I th- I think it's right. going to take a but couple I, weeks. But if nothing else, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, kept lining up and, you know, running 40-yard routes, taking away from MVS or Devontae anytime mm-hmm. soon. But I think he definitely gets those opportunities at uh, kick returner, punt returner, one or the other, and go from there. Well said, my friend. And, you know, I think we'll – I think I'll hold on to these one, other questions for next week in, in interest of time and l- allow us to chat about – uh, next week at the line, my friend. Well, you actually, you've grounded me a little bit more. I, I have just insane expectations for the Green Bay Packers, and usually, I'm I'm very optimistic. But what they've been doing week in week out, this is a team that scores thirty in its sleep. Uh, the defense is trending in the right direction. They were getting healthier at the right time. I just. Like you mentioned with these ascending players with Gary and Savage, I mean, Jair Alexander almost had a pick. Uh, he was probably partially responsible for that Greg Ward touchdown, but outside of that, he was physical. He made his presence known. Uh, Darius Smith continues to get back, get after the quarterback. Aaron Jones with that long run. I, I'm not concerned. Uh, I can see the divisional opponent – and we typically do struggle playing in Detroit. Stafford has the opportunity to light it up. I think you have all great valid points, but this team is on a mission, and I continue to see, I I foresee the Packers again uh, showing that they're the better team when it comes to the Detroit Lions. This is when you have good teams get better. They start pummeling on lesser teams, now in December football, and I think what you're seeing with right. Lafleur, what you're seeing with Rodgers, you're seeing this defense with what was it, uh, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith going up to Mike Patton saying they wanted to get after the quarterback a little bit more. You have a coach that's receptive. I'm a little intrigued on why players had to tell Patton that, but that's an argument for another day. What what's important is now that. You saw that the defense responded with seven sacks and interception. Granted, the Eagles are a bad team, but that's what you do to bad teams. Detroit is not good. They got lucky against Chicago. We defeated Chicago handedly, and I expect the same uh, this coming Sunday. Right, right. Yeah, you you look back at this team or this last game against the Eagles, and you know sixteen to thirty, but uh, six of those points came on a on a or. Yeah, six of those came on a on a punt mm-hmm. return. You know, that's not on the defense. The defense gave up ten points, and you can't really you can't fault them for that. It's probably one of their better games they've played all year. But 
Yes. Like you said, the Packers are by far the better team. They should absolutely come away at the win. But it's in the that we've seen we've seen some hiccups and some um, struggles, especially when they play against some of these bad teams that sometimes they can play down to their yeah, opponent. Yeah, that's a concern for you know, sure. You, you even look at how they, even against this Eagles team, right? They put up 30. So, what, yeah, they had four uh, four touchdowns, but they also had four three and outs. Right. And they have those same struggles where to start, the, start e- each half where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot and don't play well. And if it's one of those games where just, you know, something's a little off, you know, Rodgers is just not quite on or Jones can't get going or Devontae has to leave early or something, I I wouldn't be outside the realm of shocked by any means if, you know, Detroit came away with a meaningful win against Green Bay. I don't think it's going to happen. But again, Stafford's one of those guys who knows how to read defenses and, when he has his weapons available and when he's on, he's on and he's a, he can be a dangerous man and I could potentially see a shootout situation, but we'll see. I'm hoping that we're here doing a 10 and three on tap next week. My friend, music to my ears. And thank you so much for everyone tuning in to nine and three on tap. As Ken said it, look forward to next week. Once again, week in week out for the fans and by the fans, but excited after the Packers roll 30-16 to to advance to 9-3. and Can't wait to record another episode with you, Ken. And there you have it. I'm Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingalls. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined.